Just keep your eyes closed just quickly. Just a, just a few seconds. We just started off with a song, Joy to the World, for the Lord has come. We're not just celebrating the birth of Jesus in this season. We are celebrating his life. That's why some of the songs, even this morning, was about his death and his burial and his resurrection. But it also that he's coming back. And I don't want you to lose heart. We spoke about faith, but we also want to speak about hope. Hope is a confident expectation that Jesus is coming back. And I don't want us to lose that momentum. I don't want us to lose that focus that Jesus is coming back for each one of us. Those that believe, the Bible says. Those that have received Him as their Lord and their Savior. So this morning, God, I pray that hearts will be opened. Eyes will be opened. Ears will be open to hear, not what I'm saying, but what you are saying, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. You can put that slide up. Who knows what that means? Wait, who said that? No, no, you're not allowed to answer. My elders, none of the elders are allowed to answer this. Nobody. Who knows what that means? Anybody? Where are you going? It's very good. Do you remember the movie in the 60s and 70s called Quo Vadis? Because there was a movie like this. I'm not talking about the movie today at all. Quo Vadis. So there's a story about Peter. And Peter is actually on the Appian Way. He's walking and he's, he's going towards Rome. He fled, actually. He fled from Rome during the persecution of the Christians under the Emperor Nero. And while he was traveling on this Appian Way, the story goes, and there's a painting that was done in 1601. We can put that painting up. That's in the London um, Art Gallery at the moment. And, and, and a guy by the name of, I don't know, I can't read that because I wrote so badly on there. He painted that. And that's the story that he's told, that he met with a vision of the risen Christ. And he says to to the risen Christ in this vision, he says to him, where are you going? He says, quo vadis domine, where are you going, Lord? And the Lord says to him, I'm going to Rome to be crucified again. And he disappears. And he turns around, Peter turns around, and he goes back to Rome from where he fled to be crucified. And we'll read about it in the Bible that he was crucified upside down. So why am I saying quo vadis? Why am I asking that question this morning of where are we going? Where are you going? And maybe it's a good question. And before we, before we do this, let's read Matthew chapter 4. And he said to them, Jesus speaking, follow me. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately. Not can I just go and bury the dead? Can I do something else? Can I quickly go to a birthday party? Can I first get my take a lot order? No, no. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. 
I know this time of year we're all waiting for our take-a-lot orders. That's okay. And today those words, follow me, still rings true for each one of us. Jesus did not just ask his disciples to worship him. He didn't just ask them to believe in him. He said, follow me. And this is faith in action. This is the type of faith that James talks about. And James, I'm not going to read it. Please, it's up there, but don't worry. James chapter 2, go read it at home. There's two scriptures I'm going to give you today, long portions of scripture that I would love you to go read. James chapter 2, verse 14 to 16. It talks about your belief without action is actually dead. Faith without works is dead. So it's not works that save you and me. But once we are saved, we are prepared. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 tells us that God has prepared us for good works. To walk in them, to live in them. Each one of us, God has called you and me to do mighty things for him. Okay. So, it brings us back again to this question of quo vadis. Where are you going? Where are you going right now? I know we've got a few days left before the end of the year. Maybe the 31st would be a wonderful time to make all your resolutions for the next day. Those that you're going to break within the next four, 24 hours after you've made them. You know, gym contracts and all of those. Go for the gym contracts. It's good. Dioncia, go for it. Go for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So here's the thing is, where are you going? I want to ask you that question this morning. Where are you going? And the answer is very clear. It's very vital for each one of, for, for each one of us to understand. And the story that I started with, according to, to, to church history about Peter, and when he turned back under the conviction of the Holy Spirit was really the moment that Jesus has spoken of in John chapter 21. Let's read that quickly, verse 15 to 19. And when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. And he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. And he said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you are going. This is said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. He could only truly follow the risen Christ. Remember that he ran away and he actually denied Jesus before this. But now Jesus is risen and we follow not a dead Jesus, 
We follow a risen Christ. And that's why he has to say this a second time to him. Follow me. Because now you're following me. Where do you follow me to? You have to follow me to the cross. You've got to come through the cross like every single person. And this actually brings me to my scripture of this morning. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. You see, Peter asked this question in John 13, actually. John 13, 36, he actually asked this question before. And Peter could not follow immediately because Jesus still needed to be crucified. And Peter could surely not die for his own sin. But once Christ died, he could follow as we should see. So the question is, where do we follow? Matthew 16, 24. Can we quickly go back? Sorry, I will get to Galatians. Then Jesus told the disciples, if anyone would want to come after me, if anyone wants to follow me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Galatians chapter 2, verse 19 to, 20, to 21. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. And this is Paul speaking, and he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, the resurrected life I actually now live, I live in the flesh, the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for it justified, if justification were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. But basically, Paul is saying, I'm dead. I follow Jesus. Where am I going? Well, to the cross. Every single day. Every day, it's a choice to pick up your cross and follow Jesus daily. I don't think it's a once-off crucifixion. It's not once-off that we just crucified. No, no, no. It's a daily thing. It's a daily choice. It's a daily thing where you need to say, Lord, I laid down my life and I want to pick up your life. Because the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in what Jesus has done for me. So what happens at the cross? I want to look at a few things this morning quickly. What happens at the cross? Well, at the cross, at the cross, we give up our reliance on ourselves. I don't lean on my own understanding anymore. I don't trust myself. I don't follow my heart. Oh my goodness, that was probably the worst thing that you can do. Because the Bible tells you and me that our hearts are deceitful. Just follow your heart. Especially when you finish my trick. Just follow. Follow your heart. Please don't follow your heart. Don't. I don't know who told you that. Go ask your money back from them. Because they lied to you. Don't follow your heart. Do whatever you dream. No. Don't. Because your heart is deceitful and evil. 
John Calvin said it's a, it's a factory of idols. It's what it is. A factory of idols. We stop our reliance on ourselves. The next thing that happens at the cross is we give over control to Jesus. Take the wheel, Jesus. I made a mess out of this. I just saw this morning, I don't know, you know how random things come up on your Facebook feed? Some dude, Michael Jordan, an actor, crashed his, now two days ago, three days ago, he crashed his Ferrari and in, I mean, the wheel is gone. There's no wheel. And they're like, no, there was no drunken driving or nothing. I'm like, oh, how did that wheel end up there? Maybe he needs Jesus to take his wheel. That happens with a Tesla, I guess. You know, if you drive one, sit back and let Jesus drive, you know. But Jesus, take the wheel. I'm not the captain of my ship. I'm not the one that's plotting my course anymore because I don't know where to go. I want to follow you because you said, follow me. And, and the disciple, the Bible says the disciple, the servant is always there where the master is. So I want to be where the master is. If the master is in the storm, I want to be with him in the storm because he's with me in my boat. The next thing that happens at the cross is, and in response to my giving over to Jesus, he fills me with his spirit. To the measure that you empty yourself of yourself is to the measure that you can be filled. So if you empty yourself of your foolish desires and your thoughts and your things and your dreams and your things, just empty yourself so that he can fill you. Such a beautiful word in the Greek. It's the word pleru. It means to be filled fully and continuously to be filled. It's not a once of filling. You know, it's not like you buy a car and then you get a little bit of petrol nowadays. Those that are selling cars, that's a good selling point. Just by the way, full tank of petrol, not half a tank, not a quarter of a tank. Because you can't even get with a quarter of tank back home. It's that bad. Especially if you drive to Hartenbosch and it takes you an hour. Full tank. Just a suggestion for those that are selling vehicles. <laughs> Putting it out there. I'm not in the market also, don't worry. <laughs> so here's the thing. That word pleru means that we continuously fault. I've got to come. I can't just drive on a one tank of petrol once off. Oh, yeah, I had an experience with the Holy Spirit like once. Yeah, it was great. It was great. No, no. Daily. Daily. Guys, don't neglect it, even in the time of rest. Rest is not a position. Rest is not a place you go to. Rest is not Hattenbos. Rest is not by. Rest is a person. His name is Jesus. Enter into the rest. Enter into Jesus, and you will truly rest. I can tell you, some of us are more tired after a holiday. But find Jesus, and you'll find rest. The next thing that happens at the cross is he unites us to himself. In other words, we, we say, Lord, it's your death, your burial, but also your resurrection. 
You see, all of Christianity is just a cycle of death, burial, resurrection. That's what it is. Daily we die. Sometimes we're in a place of burial. If you're in that place right now of obscurity and people are not seeing you, that's okay. Jesus was in the grave for three days. But there's a day coming when there's a resurrection. There's a resurrection. Allow him to work with you, even in the times of burial in your life. But all of Christianity is like that. Death, burial, resurrection. Newness of life. And lastly is, he enables us. He enables us to live this life. Let this life that he gives flow in and through us. Somebody prayed this morning, streams of living water. Let it flow. We need to be conduits. But again, if there's blockages, if you are so, I once said this, don't try this at home, kids, but I once said this to a church. I said, you're so full of yourself that you can't even you swallow your own pride. Think about that. I don't want us to be a heavy, but if it's a heavy, maybe you need to empty yourself. You're so full of yourself, you can't even swallow your own pride. It's heavy. But you know what? Once I am free, once I'm at the foot of the cross, I empty myself. And I say, I give over, Lord. Because I've made a mess. Christina's actually heard my testimony the other day with the youth. She says, yo. I said to her, that was the toned down version. That was the PG-16 version. <laughs> but Jesus saved me. From a lot at the cross. And you know what? It's a life of come, die to live. Come, die to live. We can only live truly when we've died. That's what it says there in Galatians. I have been crucified with Christ. So practically, what does it look like? It is only Christ in us that enables us to live in a radical new way. You can't do this on your own. And as proof of the internal transformation that has occurred as we follow Jesus to the cross, we repent. Repentance is we leave everything. It was, I walked in a certain way and I turn away 180 degrees. I turn away from it. I leave it there. Solomon said it's a dog that returned to his own vomit. Why do you throw things in the dustbin and then go scratching it tomorrow morning? Leave it. Maybe you should watch Frozen again. Let it go. Let it go. Just let it go. But we want to go back. Like we can do something about it. No, let him deal with it. It's at the foot of the cross. Repenting, receiving. We need to receive the person of the Holy Spirit. We need to receive the Holy Spirit in our lives. And I'm not talking about just speaking in tongues and babbling. I'm saying you live because the Bible says, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's the Holy Spirit that leads me. 
Somebody was telling me a story the other day. Some of you, uh, if you know him, I'll give him kudos. I'm brying with him tomorrow night. So I'll give him kudos that I mentioned him. He says there was this one point, a guy got saved a few years back. And he was standing in front of a casino. He's kind of full of tattoos, almost like Ari, you know. It wasn't Ari. Okay, I'm just saying. And he was going to go to the casino because that's what he used to do. And he got to the front door about, I don't know, 100 meters, 50 meters from the door. And he couldn't go in. Just couldn't go in. Now there's a bunch of security guards by this casino door checking him. He's got tattoos. He's standing. He can't move forward. He doesn't know what to do. They're checking him out. Eventually, they escorted him away because they thought he was going to cause trouble. But it was that moment that he realized, I can't do this. And the Holy Spirit led him to stop right there. Do not sin. We've got to trust the Holy Spirit that he will lead you in all truth. That he will not lead you into sin. That you can say no to sin. Grace is not just the power to be free of sin, but to say no to sin. That's what God's grace has done for us. What is impossible? What is impossible for us? Through the Holy Spirit, it is possible. And when we die, he can do in us what we could not do in our own strength. I can't say no to that stuff. You know, another thing that is amazing when the Holy Spirit lives in you is you can love your enemies. I'm not talking about the guy that you just dislike. I'm talking about an enemy. There's a scripture in the Bible that says that when you love your enemy... It's like heaping coals on his head. Who's read that scripture before? Yes, bro. I love that scripture. I was like, come on. I'm going to love you and it's going to burn you, buddy. <laughs> Until I read the context of that scripture. It means back in the day, they used to have a turban on their head. They used to put coals in their turban to calm people down. And actually heat up their whole body and relax them. That's what I'm supposed to do. I'm like, no, man, just burn. <laughs> Feel it. Nah. You find these scriptures sometimes in the Bible and you're like, yes, I'm going to punch you with this one. And then you read the context of it and then you're like, ah, oh, Jesus, I've got to love my enemy. But that's what it says. You heap coals on his head. Is you make him comfortable. You make him relaxed. You love him. You make him a cup of tea. You buy him a mince pie. You give him something. That's what you do. That's what you do. And you go to Willie's for women's pies and you buy them there. <laughs> we can forgive the unforgivable with the Holy Spirit. We can give sacrificially. It's hard to give. I remember before I got married, I, I mean, when I got married, I realized how selfish I am. Seriously. <laughs> Listen to Harry laughing. <laughs> but then we got kids, and I realized, Yo, bro, you are very selfish. <laughs> Sacrificial giving, I'll die for my children. I'll die for my children. 
I'll give myself. I'll go without so they can have. Are we living like that? Even in this season. It's a season of blessing. Season of giving. We can pray with the Holy Spirit, the help of the Holy Spirit at the cross. We can pray and we can worship and we can give thanks in all circumstances. The end of the book of Habakkuk says that though the fig tree does not blossom, though there is no fruit on the vine, there is nothing. There is nothing in the pantry. But yet I will worship the Lord. Yet I will honor the Lord. Yet I will give thanks to the Lord in all circumstances. I would love you to go read. This is the second portion of scripture. Go read Romans chapter 12, verse 9 to 21. It's quite a lengthy portion. Go read that. Jesus is calling each one of us this morning. He's calling us today. He says, come, die to love. It doesn't sound very inviting, eh? We don't want to do that middle part. We will come. We don't want to die. Come follow him. And where do I follow Jesus to? I follow him to the cross. Where God's grace and his mercy will flow into the reality of our sinful lives. Can you put that slide up? I would love every single person to follow me. Can you read that? It says, may I say to all I meet, I am journeying towards the Lord's given place. Come with me for your good. Can we say that this morning? We're going to have family in our homes that might be unsaved. We're going to have people that we meet in the mall somewhere. Come with me, that none should perish, but everyone that calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Please close your eyes quickly. Maybe you're sitting here, there's a lot of visitors this morning. Maybe you've been coming to this church for a little, a little bit, a little while. And this morning, You've heard. And the gospel is very simple. The message of Jesus is very simple. I have come. Jesus have come. He was born in a manger. And when we hear that story, we always have got to see it in the shadow of the cross. Because Jesus was born so that he might die. For us, John 3.16 tells us very clearly that God loved you and me so much that he sent his only son, Jesus, to die so that we can have life. Now this morning, it's, it's very simple. Romans says that if you believe in your heart that Jesus has done that for you, and you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, then you will be saved. That's the simplicity of the gospel. You too can have that life that I found 31 years ago. 
when Jesus came and spoke to me and called me. Like I was, like Paul said, I was the chief of sinners. I felt like I was the chief of sinners. But Jesus loved me enough. Because God is love. Jesus came into my life. This morning, you too can have that.